This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design. And you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here. Today's adventure, we're going on a theme park obsession. Welcome back, Disneyland for Designer listeners. Welcome back, Club 1313 members. And welcome all of our new friends. Before we get started with today's episode, episode 70, I want to give a big thanks to Ordinary Adventures for being my guest on episode 69. Uh, Peter and Ketra told us their amazing story about how their channel has come together and how they have really found a passion, both as people, but as a couple and also as creators. And I just found that story to be fascinating and I hope that you did too. And I have great news for you. Peter is coming back for a conversation about Galaxy's Edge and Avengers Campus. And I think uh, we should get Ketra in the mix as well. How about you? But I, I will be excited to talk to Peter about both Galaxy's Edge, Avengers Campus. You know, what do they learn from each other? What are the differences in them? Uh, because Peter not only understands it from a theme park perspective, but also from a official, like real movie critic. So, you know, he understands kind of both worlds and where they meet. Whereas I understand it from two worlds too the design and the theme park experience. I watch all the films, but I'm just not that into it as much as I am the design and the storytelling. So hopefully that will be a fascinating conversation that you guys will enjoy coming up soon on Disneyland for Designers. Yesterday, Oogie Boogie tickets went on sale and I was able to gobble up some of these tickets and I got good news. I will be live streaming from the event every Thursday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. So if you didn't get a ticket or you live far away or you just want to see what it looks like before your date to boogie comes up, you can hang out with me from the event Thursdays at 7 o'clock where I'll be going live and taking you all around Oogie Boogie. And it'll be fun because even though the event will primarily be the same every week, all the costumes, all of the guests, all of the fun, that will be changing week to week. And this Saturday, I will be live from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Disneyland celebrating the 66th birthday of Disneyland. I want to do a live stream just to document what the vibe is like inside of the park on its 66th anniversary. And I want to remind you, friends, don't forget how far we have traveled since last year's failed reopening for the 65th anniversary. Uh, that Friday was a pretty sad day when the park couldn't reopen. This Saturday will be a festivity. It will be fun, but I don't want it to be lost just how far we have all traveled in that year. And, uh, not everybody made it. Don't mean to be a downer, but I don't want to brush off everything that we've gone through because I definitely want to be someone that walks away from 2020 with lots of valuable learned lessons. Coming up in two weeks, episode 72 will feature Disneyland VIP tour guide. My main man, Philander Butler, returns to talk about the complete history of the Jungle Cruise. And next week, Jared Maruyama, Disneyland visual artist, returns to talk about 70 years of Alice in Wonderland and how she has influenced the park. I mean, if you think about it, uh, Alice with the Alice corner there, she has as many attractions about her as Star Wars does in the park or the Avengers uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe does. So a lot of talk about Alice next week. Always great to have Jared back on the show. 
Today's episode, though, is our third creator conversation in a row. This is sort of the final episode in this trilogy. We started out talking to Katie and Spencer over at Best Life and Beyond. Last week, we had Peter and Kitra of Ordinary Adventures. And this week, our story starts off like most stories do when you talk about people that are lifelong dreamers. The dreams normally begin at childhood. And today's guest's dream of loving theme parks is not something that he taught himself. It is a shared family obsession. And you'll hear all kinds of fun stories about how Dylan of Theme Park Obsession was groomed to be obsessed about theme parks because quite simply, his family is as well. And in many ways, Dylan's kind of taking on the family business, so to speak. But I think my favorite part of what I've been able to witness as somebody who's watching his channel now for a couple of years and someone that got to sit down and have this conversation and also hang out with him in the parks and just sort of observe him both as a friend, but also as a fellow content creator. Uh, I think that what is most fascinating to me about Theme Park Obsession and Dylan is his journey to finding an audience and what I believe was also finding himself along the way of that journey. You see, Dylan is quiet, measured, and reserved, but all in a very friendly way, in a very sweet way. You never ever get a hint of attitude or ego. But meeting the real person to me is the most important part of my job. Because my whole theory on podcasting is this, is that if you meet the real person, it makes their opinions more relatable and more important to you because now you think of that person as a friend. And part of what I do in the episodes and in the interviews and the conversations is I talk about myself, sharing with my guests, opening up an invite for them to share about themselves. So hopefully as you hear me become good friends with all of the different co-hosts, that friendship, that fun is contagious over to you. And a little behind the scenes fun fact, Dylan initially didn't want to talk about himself at all. He only wanted to come on and talk about just the parks. But with a little convincing from me, and I think you will all agree, the absolute best parts of today's talk, of today's conversation, are the inspirations from Dylan's life. Getting to know him better as a person, I think everyone will say is the best part of today's episode. Now, the part we talk about the theme parks, that's great, and you'll all have your own opinions. And but, Bricky, did you ever think about them building this where the hotel is? That all is fun. But getting to know people, I think, goes beyond fun. It's that human instinct that reminds us that we are a tribal creature, right? We are a pack animal. And getting to know more about our brothers and sisters that love the same things that we love always, always puts a smile on your face. And when done just right, makes that hair on your arm stand up just for a second. So getting to know Dylan better as a person in today's interview, it will no longer shock you. It would make sense that he wouldn't want to go on about himself in an interview. It would make sense that Dylan would want to show up and talk about the theme parks that he loves, telling you all the different constructions and happenings at. It makes sense that he wouldn't want to make it about him because as I said, he's quiet, he's measured, he's reserved, all in a friendly way, all in a sweet way. Never a hint of attitude or ego, just literally someone obsessed and loves the parks like you do and is willing to travel all around Southern California, all around Florida, and soon all around America to take you to wherever it is that you can't go on that day, but you can because your friend Dylan is there. 
willing to share his obsession, willing to share his day, willing to take you wherever it is that you're willing to go with him. It's episode 70 of Disneyland for Designers, Theme Park Obsession. And as with all episodes of Disneyland for Designers and all videos on this YouTube channel, it's made possible by our members over at club1313.com, who really soon we will be doing DCA Day. Can't wait to hang with all of you out at Disney's California Adventure, and I cannot wait to hang out and talk design and shop inside of Avengers Campus. Let's get started with episode 70 right now. Dylan Theme Park Obsession, welcome to Disneyland for Designers. How you doing, bud? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm doing fantastic. And I'll let everybody know, we were recording from the Bricky and Friends parking structure. Yes. <laughs> hanging out. I've, I was wondering when the pandemic started. I'm like, when will I get back to doing interviews in weird places? <laughs> We've officially arrived in weird places. This is cool. I, I've, I've, this, you know, this is on the bucket list, check mark. Yeah. Doing an uh, you know podcast in the, I you know, I used to call it the Sticky and Friends parking structure because <laughs> of all the soda and stuff that ends up being in the parking structure late at night. There ha there's a correlation between people that love McDonald's and Disneyland and love littering. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a very specific person, Dylan. When you go to a, a a theme park, and I know that you know you are above and beyond Disneyland. Like you just love theme parks in general, and like me, you have an obsession with the the design and the construction. You know, it's not so much just the ride it's like everything around it it's that venture yeah. that's leading up to it but why i think people love theme parks so much is they're really a symbolism for all moments of our life and there's that moment when you're standing on the deck your roller coaster comes through it vacates and you get in the seat and you pull the seat belt and you're like oh i guess i'm really doing this so let's go back to three years ago when you decided to start uploading theme park content because you started your channel 2011 uh that's when you got active on youtube yeah but you didn't start uploading till 2018 so there was seven years in there yeah. where you're just consuming what made you decide you know what i can hold up a camera and do this well when i created the thing you know i created the account because like google at the time was like okay well you have to create an account in right. order to watch the, the content right so yeah that's why that time frame is like there's like a such a huge gap and you know, I've always used to watch um, Theme Park Review, mm -hmm. uh, Theme Park Adventure, and a couple other creators and for years. And that's how I got a lot of my information, not just from theme parks here in America, but around the world. Because mm -hmm. I was so obsessed with, like, what's the newest thing? Like, what are they building next? You yeah. know, what's the next biggest roller coaster? And that's how I would find out information about, like, our parks here. And for the longest time, I was like, you know, I want to do this. I think it would be so fun to just travel the world and go to theme parks and show people how much fun we're having and what the beauty of these places that some creators would show, but not everyone would, everyone mm -hmm. would kind of concentrate on one little thing. And it's like, I wanted to show everything. I wanted right. to show the whole experience. Right. And there's more not to the just POV rides. Yeah. You yeah. know, and people do POV stuff really good, but I wanted to show off things that maybe some people would miss, mm -hmm. you know, or I like to point out things that, you know, like what we talked about this in Avengers Campus, just like those little details that, you know, like the Galaxy's Edge transitions, like yeah. the transition from Fantasyland to Galaxy's Edge. You know, people just walk right through it, but they don't stop and look and go, wow, this is actually 
pretty insane how people they did just this. like stroll through something that a team of 50 people bash their heads against the wall and be like, <laughs> yeah. how do we go from Big Thunder Mountain to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge? <laughs> yeah. I get it. Two bridges, two tunnels. Yeah. Like, people, like, agonize over the design of these things. Yeah. And I guess, you know, good design is often not noticed. Yeah. You know, it, bad design is often noticed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's why I wanted to show off. So, you know, one, three years ago, I said, you know what? Let me just do this. Yeah. Uh, it's been a thing of mine. I've been obsessed with theme parks since I was a little kid. Like when I the first time I learned how to turn on a computer, the first thing I did was play Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> that I, I still have it on my phone. Hey, those simulation ride, those simulation games oh, where you're amazing. like where you're building and constructing something like Sim City or The Simpsons Tap Out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that in the same way that I love Disneyland because Disneyland is SimCity IRL. Yeah. Because it's this little place that you and I go to and we track how all the pieces of Lego get slid around, you know. Yeah. Mickey's uh, Runaway Railway is getting built right now. That used to be backstage. You know, when you and I walked through Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, like, that used to not exist. No. You know, like, it's that Sim City part of the park that I'm obsessed with. I love it. And it's one of the ways I found your channel because YouTube started to realize that I was a psycho that would watch <laughs> any, any mound of dirt that was getting moved around that a theme park was getting built. I would watch it, and that's how you fell into my, my algorithm. Yeah, I love that stuff. And, you know, at the time... When I made the channel, there was a few creators doing that kind yeah. of thing, but there wasn't many. And that's another reason why I wanted to do it. I was like, you know, not too many people are covering Universal Studios, not too many people are doing Six Flags Magic Mountain. I think that's where you are a true originator because the construction for me was first discovered through watching Fresh Baked Dave. Exactly. But it was like a blip on the radar of all the stuff he was uploading. And when you came along and go, ah, this guy's smart because he's not only focusing in on this one topic, but you were the first guy that started going to the less sexier parks like Six Flags. And I don't know how you could ever tell if anything's under construction Six Flags. To me, it always looks like a construction <laughs> There's always, site. But see, and that's that's what I like about it because it's like I like showing people that there are very beautiful parts of Six Flags that n like nobody would even think of. Yeah, you know, Six Flags is a major theme park. They're huge. I mean, the size of the park is massive, and there's like little nooks and crannies that like no one would ever even think to look but i like to point that out on the channel while doing the construction update because yeah not, like, like i said not too many people were doing it yeah. david was covering disneyland that's how i kind of you know, knew a lot what was going on at disneyland but that was it and then when i started doing universal and it's like almost this influx of other people started doing it too which is great i think it's awesome that because everyone is now obsessed with theme parks well i think if you start uh, a vlog channel construction is an easy thing to lean back on yeah. if you decide to do it weekly or monthly you know it just fills one of those slots because everybody sets their own goal of monday wednesday friday or you know monday through friday or yeah. two a week or whatever so it's an easy rotation but what i enjoyed about yours versus others is that some people just go yeah, man, they're building something. And then other people <laughs> actually take the time. Like I was watching, you did a highlight reel during the pandemic, which was actually quite sad looking back at a highlight of construction. And I, I was imagining you because, you know, <laughs> I do this too. And I watched your highlight reel today and I was like, he had to have had tears in his eyes putting this together. It's sad. Because yeah. so many of those clips were like you and good friends and you with your partner and you out in the world. And it was funny to watch a highlight reel of construction, though, because I see your little finger go out and you're like, so they're going to move those beams yeah. over there and they're building this. But that reminded me of one of the things I first liked about your channel is that you had an informed perspective, not just like comment below if you know what they're building, yeah. which literally makes me scream at my TV. Oh, yeah. But I love that you were actually not only documenting it, but you 
you were informing people like, you know, these pieces are moving over there. And when we were here two weeks ago, you know, that was different because it is that sort of time lapse, that slow time lapse of this thing's being constructed in front of us. But what I noticed about your first wave of videos, right? Because you pointed out to me in Avengers Campus, your first video just went right out of the gate. Yeah, I got lucky. And that, see, before I started uh, doing videos on YouTube, I obviously made the Instagram account. Yeah. Because I knew, I was like, okay, let me let me get an audience going uh-huh. on Instagram and get them used to looking at this kind of stuff, getting them used to theme park content. And then I'll take, you know, maybe say I get a thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah. If a hundred people go over and watch the video, that's a hundred, that's a hundred views. And it'll help push it out of the gate faster. So there YouTube you go. goes, people care about this. Yeah. But what I noticed was is your your first one you got lucky, yeah. which is almost kind of a curse because your next five you the did next, not get lucky. No, you know? the next five were very, were a lot lower because the first one within the first week was like at thirty something thousand views. Yeah, which were like I wasn't even expecting that. Like yeah. I didn't even like my intentions going in was like you know what I'm just going to start fresh and we'll see what happens. But I like having fun mm-hmm. and I like showing this stuff off and that's what's more important. I mean the numbers are great, but. As long as I'm having fun, that's all that I care about. Sure. But when I saw that number the following week, when I looked at the analytics, I was like, okay, we have something here. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And what I found interesting about your first cluster of videos were, because I watched your video where you thanked everybody for your first thousand subscribers. Yeah. I watched that today. You're sitting at the edge of your bed. Yeah. I'm like, look at this guy. He's got a candle lit in the background. Oh, yeah. I've never lit a candle in a room in my life. Like, if my if there's a candle lit, my wife lit it. But, like, you got a candle <laughs> in the back. Yeah. And, the bath and body works. And, <laughs> and you're thanking everybody for your first thousand. And what I kind of followed on you when I looked at your channel in reverse is that in the beginning, People were just showing up for the data and the information. Yeah. And when you would go live and you would say, hey, let's chat, the numbers would go really, really down. Yeah. But what I find interesting as somebody who, my first videos of you were you just ripping around Disneyland doing construction updates. And then I remember you did a video with uh, Just Katie from Best Life. They, yes. they had just changed the name of their channel. She didn't even know yeah. the name of her own channel in those yeah. videos. And you were standing behind her being like, is it the name of your channel? Like yeah. Best Life and it was, Beyond? It was so funny because it's like they were in that whole process and we were just laughing about it. And because it, you know, was it it's... You're so used to saying one thing, and then yeah. we switch it up. Yeah, and it, you were it messes with you. You were helping her do her own outro, which I found to be charming. But what I found was is that as a creator, and this is the part that I really enjoyed, is that you started out hard data, hard information, hard analytics were like building your channel, and people didn't seem to have a, a big interest in you because they were just showing up. You know, yeah, you'd get thousands of more people to see the roller coaster. Nobody would show up to see you. But over that last year before the pandemic, you really transitioned into not only doing vlogs where it's just you having fun, but you started to put a lot of personality in with the construction updates. And to me, that was the moment that not only did I think that you found your groove, but I could tell he's feeling more comfortable and he's having a lot more fun doing this. So it, it seems like maybe the five months, six months going into the pandemic, there was no stopping you like you were in your zone you were meeting all kinds of people you were starting to go east coast west coast all the different parks like you were really really getting into your zone before thanos snapped his hand yeah yeah that i owe a lot of that to like my friends and family and then like you know i talked to katie and spencer about you know opening up more on the channel too and you know shout out to them for helping me out with that as well because you know it's sometimes it is 
intimidating at first to put yourself on camera. Like um, the first video, the first few videos, I was so nervous. Yeah. To be talking to myself, and like like a psycho walking around the park talking to my phone. <laughs> you know, like about hey, this. I, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, and but then like over time, because I'm not like that. Like I'm not like that behind the scenes. Like when I hang out with a lot of my friends and stuff. I mean, it's just nonstop sure banter. Sure. So. You know, so, uh, slowly over time, I knew I was like, okay, it's it's. I'm gonna get more like that as the videos progress. But uh, you know, it's 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 challenging. But looking at it today, yeah, I mean, I just don't I don't mind at all. It's so much fun because it's like, especially when you're hanging out with other people, yeah. enjoying the same things. Yeah, it, just all that banter comes back. Well, something I found that is interesting because you know, uh, the la- you're the third in this little trilogy of episodes where I'm interviewing other creators. And I did back-to-back couples. I did Ordinary and Best Life. And with a couple, they get to talk to each other through the camera. Spencer's holding up the camera, but Katie's talking over the camera to Spencer. You and I are in that lone wolf category where the first couple of times you're walking around holding up a camera, you're super self-conscious. You're... I'm sure, like me or probably even beyond, where now when I hold up the camera, I literally feel like there's a friend standing next to me. Oh, yeah. And in my mind, I see him as that like blue, crappy Star Wars hologram. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not like I see a face, but I just see like, like, I just see like a friend, like, go ahead, Bricky. I'm willing to (laughs) hear what you have to say. That's totally how it is. Yeah. I I feel like I'm talking to my subscribers. I feel like I'm talking to an engaged audience. Yeah. And that's why I feel more at ease with it now uh you know and with you know michael in the picture like sometimes he's in the video and people ask like oh when's michael going to be in the videos and i try to put him in as as much as possible but you know he's on his schedule too right so yeah i mean i it's this is kind of like that lone wolf thing like i go in the parks and it's just me having fun so my wife just showed up in my fourth of july video (laughs) where because my wife is in the video we don't see the fireworks from inside disneyland because she showed up (laughs) and people were like you know more bath more bath and I we had a lot of fun shooting the vlog and and she was like really really taken back by how kind everybody was in the comment section yeah. because her YouTube YouTube channel where she talks about food people are just brutal like they they judge her you know they're people are vicious to women and we could just leave it at that yeah but she was like man there's so much love from your channel I'd like to do it with you again I'm like yeah that's cool I'll make sure to pick something else that I don't want to see the grand finale <laughs> but walk through me with this when Michael's there. You know, you're there. It's it's like your personal life's here with you, and you have fun, and you open up a little bit differently. But when you're by yourself, if that's the spot where the camera needs to go to get the the band playing or to get that perfect shot, you just go there, oh, and yeah. you're free to go there. And that freedom of ripping the park by myself, I absolutely adore. Same because that's how like uh, yesterday the video is actually going to be up here in the next couple hours I went to Adventure City for the first time it's that little tiny theme park that's down the street from Knott's Berry Farm yeah and it's like I've always wanted to see it I know it's one of those like kid kind of parks it's one of those things where it's like an alternative to uh, you know a mulligans or whatever but I always wanted to go and being there by myself I was able to just know exactly what I was doing yep I know exactly what shot I need to get. Yep. I can see the video in my head, and that's how I... Fl- You're I, shooting and editing all at once. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, if you zoomed out and you watched me walk around, I mean, you, you see me walk around the park like some like maniac, but it's all being pieced together in my head. When now with, I'm with Michael or when I'm with friends, it's more difficult because I don't want to take away from their experience. I totally agree, because if I come by myself, I have a shot list on my phone. Yeah. 
and I my, I make my shot list based on how everything's laid out in the park so that I can do one big loop, get yep. all my shots, even though I know that it's going to be edited in a completely different order, and I have my little bits and things because I'm by myself, and I'm trying to make it fun and interesting, so I know I'm going to do a tunnel on the left bit, or I know I'm going to do this or that, and I have all of that laid out. But when I show up with Beth, Beth is just chaos. You yeah. know, like I can't hurt her. I can't be like, all right, Beth, we're going to go through the tunnel three times. She'd yeah. be like, you get me through the tunnel once, and that's <laughs> it. And so like, today we're here with friends, right? Yeah. And I'm going to be shooting a vlog, and you're going to be shooting, and... I, I kind of get anxiety hanging with my friends because I don't know what the story is today. The yeah. story's going to unfold in front of me, and because I'm such a control freak, I don't like that I don't know what today's magic moment is yet. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, there are those moments, like, yeah, again, when you're by yourself, you know exactly what's going on. But then when I know when I'm with friends, especially, like, now, fast forward to today, mm -hmm. I switch over to the, like, okay, this vlog is going to be just it's going to be goofy. It's going to be silly. There's still going to be structure to it. Right. I might throw in some, you know, some information that's happening at the park. But I think at this point, people know, like when I'm hanging out with a bunch of people, they know the video is not going to be as structured. I as, think they like, like that too. I, I know I, I do. I like it too. I like switching it up because, you know, when I started the channel, it was just very cut and dry kind of update videos and then the more i started meeting people and the more i started hanging out it's like yeah you open up and you have more fun and stuff and that's not to say i didn't have fun being by myself watching sure but it's a different thing yeah you know over the pandemic we all kind of try to figure out because like i started trying to get into this around 18 and it it just didn't work and i'm a full-time podcaster and i didn't have the hours and it wasn't working so i decided to do something different because podcasting was easy for me i'd listened to radio my whole life just make it sound like the radio and it mm -hmm. was really easy and i i never listened to any other podcast i just did you can let that drop on the floor you don't have to use uh, your knee as a as a rest there i'm like scared don't worry about <laughs> it there's 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 plenty of cable you could there's so much microphone cable there you could maybe uh, do could, mark twain we yeah we could probably <laughs> head over to uh you know mark twain do a lap around the park man i if i wish that this professional equipment was allowed, allowed in the park is doing these conversations with this ambient i was noise. thinking about that on the drive here i was like wouldn't that be cool if we'd be like an adventure land uh, they've i've I took the equipment through once after being in VidCon, and they're like, we'll let this through, but don't pull it out of the bag, because <laughs> it actually it gets again. into like commercial equipment. But anyways, what I ended up doing is I took a year to just like consume the landscape of YouTube, and 2020 was going to be my big go yeah. at it. And I started, and then things stopped. And then when the pandemic hit, I thought to myself, like, you know, I, I want this to be something I'm going to do. And if I can't be creative during the pandemic, then I can't, then I'm not worthy of this job. And so I started doing a lot of different things. But one of the things I started doing was covering the news and trying to give people like a real like business focus. Like, let's remove our emotions as a fan and really break down the reopening of Disneyland logistically and accurately and non-emotionally. Like, we all want it to open tomorrow. Yeah. Is it smart for it to open tomorrow? Probably not. And so during that series, people got to see sort of like one part of my brain. And Dylan, the reason why I think it's so smart that you do these videos with your buds is I promise myself, as soon as the mask is gone, I'm going to start doing a weekly vlog because I think that it's so important to not only, in your case, give people the construction and the details, but also remind them that it's fun. You like having fun yeah. because I think that that contact buzz of seeing you and Adam or you and Best Life rip the park, I think that contact buzz leaks over into the more serious videos and makes you more of a trusted resource because now you've become a friend. Yeah, and you know, it, I open up more in those videos as well. And I, that, that's what it's all about is just having fun and being like passionate about 
what you like. Yeah. You know, I love these these parks. You know, I've grown up. I, I've worked at Disneyland. I've worked at Universal Studios Hollywood. You know, I've been around these places for years. My dad worked here in the 80s. It's been a part of my life. Dude, you riding roller coasters with your dad is phenomenal. My, my dad, and then uh, when Six Flags opened up West Coast Racers, my grandma was there. Wow, because she likes she's like one of the ones that got me hooked on a lot of this stuff. So she comes with me on some of these trips on the craziest roller coasters. You and her riding in your highlight reel had me just die. Oh yeah, like, people love that. She's like, this one's a winner. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> like, this is a winner, and she's done like the most insane things ever. Yeah. So during your pandemic videos. You did a like, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm checking in with you. And you said that there was a part of you that had thought about how do I keep going? How do I keep doing this? Yeah. How dark did it get for you? Because you were really, out of a lot of us, you were put at a major disadvantage because you thrive on that construction, right? Like the the dozers of Fraggle Rock, like that little thing <laughs> yeah. in the background that's always yep. building. And literally like your bread and butter was just like taken away from you. Like how dark did it get? Because I have to imagine that theme park obsession has become a big part of your personal identity. Yeah, I mean there was I mean to be completely honest, there were some days where I was pretty depressed. Yeah, you know, you like think? <laughs> I was very depressed. Just one because obviously the pandemic going on and you know, then not being able to be in your happy place. Yeah. Everyone's got their own happy place and these were it for me. So trying to figure out, okay, how do I keep this going? And that's when I decided, okay, well, let's just do the, the weekly live thing. So at least I can check in with everybody. And you're doing trivia. Yeah. And I was doing the trivia and stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, I got that idea from, uh, Mr. Cheesy pop. Yeah. Max Max. He was doing trivia and I was like, that's such a good idea. Let's do it on my channel too. You know, yeah. like, I think everyone should be doing something. And, you know, the numbers were, were not there. And, you know, I was like, you know what? It is what it is. Everyone's kind of struggling right now. It's not just me. And I have to do what I can. And I know when things get better, things will get better. And so, you know, here we are today. Disneyland's back open and things are better. Um, but it was a struggle. It was, it was very difficult because I, you know, my channel is very park specific. It, I can't really, I don't, I'm not like really the news channel. I'm not really the... You know, and I thought about doing that. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to step on David's toes. I don't want to step on DSNY newscasts well, I think and this all is, that kind of stuff. I think this is why you're good to not get into news because news requires like hard opinions. Oh, yeah. And hard opinions bring out sort of this venom because a lot of people are like, I don't know why you're so negative about Disneyland reopening. <laughs> I'm like, do you think I go down there at night and put a padlock on it? Like, they're yeah. trying to open it, but Bricky's laying in yeah. front of the gate. No way, man. <laughs> I would trust me, dude. I'm I'm gambling my future on this park reopening. I yeah. want to reopen, but I also want to do it logically. But I think that you have picked a, a good spot where you are a bit of a news channel, but news in a very like positive way, and and you're just kind of sharing the good parts with everybody. And you know, Jack over at DSMY, he probably has the best informative news channel. Oh yeah. But I have the least amount of personal connection with him because he's a talking head, really. Yeah. And it's, and, I, and I mean, the guy can slay a news video. Like, oh, he's great. Like nobody else. But I don't feel like I know him. And when he has vlogged, it hasn't been that successful. So I think that you've hit a sweet spot of like informative, but personable, somebody that people feel like they, that they know. And therefore, they'll trust your opinions. And when you go, I don't know about this new roller coaster, guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know about this project. People feel like they could trust that because they feel like that they know you. Whereas Jack kind of seems a little bland in the personality department just because we only see him like going through an enormous data dump in 13 minutes. 
minutes. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what he does. Uh, shout out to him. He, the way he puts his videos together is brilliant. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we, I would like to see him in the play around in the parks. That'd be yeah. kind of fun because this is what I do. And I, that's what I try to mixture into my videos is, you know, okay, here's the latest information, but let's also have some fun. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's let's crack a couple jokes. You know, and, uh, moving forward, I'm going to continue to do that more and more and more. And, you know, you know putting the music in there, putting the B-roll, making it just a really pretty fun video. That's always the goal. And and I think, you know, folks like you that you put chapters into your video, right? Like there's the, you do the montages and the music, which kind of breaks it up a little bit there. Montage, B-roll, that's probably, montage sounds like it's an 80s movie (laughs) where you're like stuck in a pizza factory. (laughs) Can't go to the park till you make all these pizzas, Dylan. Uh, But for you, I think that you've hit a, a good blend of your, your personality and information, and, and I think that's why the, the channel's been growing so nicely and also your collaboration with all your friends. I, I was a little bit sad, though, when I was looking through things that the daily obsession didn't quite take off like you wanted because I do think that you represent an important part of the Disney population. And I was hoping to see more of your lifestyle, but man, once you get away from that massive SEO of new ride at universal, (laughs) people are like walking on the beach in Michigan. I'll hold off to the next Disney video. And you know that I'm still trying to figure out where those videos live. Good. Because, you know, I told people just recently, I'm like, you know, I'm going to change. The content is going to evolve again. You know, mm-hmm. the, like with the music in the beginning of the video, I've, it's now just at the end and I'm kind of altering things here and, here and there. And with the Today's Obsession videos, like that is, I do want to keep doing that. I yeah. do want but it's just, it looks odd when it's, uh, you know, Universal, Six Flags, Disneyland, California Adventure. Uh, yeah, Michigan, all right, Universal. It, it I, I, I don't, I've thought about, even possibly starting a second channel and going just okay, like a travel channel. Yeah, you know, like okay, this is this is today's obsession. Where it's all the same thing. It's me. It's just these are where these videos live. I even thought about doing like the YouTube membership thing, where it's mm. like a couple bucks. This is where all those videos live, and then you know, obviously that helps out with the main channel. Yeah, but it, it's just like a fine balance. Like my head spins a million miles an hour. Yeah, especially when I'm in the parks doing these videos. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking of the next thing. And then I'm also thinking of like, I, there's there's just so much. So yeah, I, I want to save the Today's Obsession videos. I don't it, want those to go away. Yeah, it feels like it could be an important part of the overall recipe. And I think, you know, while we're talking about other creators, which is the whole part of the series too, is not only to, to celebrate you and talk about my journey, but some of our, our peers and people we look up to, like, I think the sweet spot that Adam the Woo has landed in is that it doesn't matter what he does he's just gained like the trust of his audience like road trip with your dad all right i'll I'll hit play and by the end of you're like i love seeing his dad on the videos like adam is so good at that and and i really understand what you're talking about because the fall off was pretty significant from you know roller coaster roller coaster me kind of living my life but i i do think that that is an important part of it but i get what you're saying there's only so many hours so many days uh, so many days of the week that you can work on this stuff and we're always trying to figure out like what's the perfect balance of return on investment you know like if i vlog all day and i buy tickets and i go do this thing and only a fraction of people show up uh, exactly what am i doing here you know we kind of get held hostage sometimes to those numbers yeah exactly we all are like 
into the numbers game. I yeah, don't, you I don't, have to. Yeah, be. I don't care who it is, and if they say they aren't, they're lying. You know, everyone pays attention to numbers at some point. Again, now that's not why people should be doing this. No. Hey, but, I'm the guy in last place, so the numbers. <laughs> well, the, the thing, like, but numbers, numbers are great, but you know, it falls back to you. You got to be passionate about this and have fun with it. But yeah, I mean, like, looking back during the middle of the pandemic yeah i mean seeing those numbers when i did the today's obsession videos it's it's a lot different than seeing 40 50 000 views on a universal sure. video or something sure. like that so it, it's challenging but yeah like i said i, I definitely want to keep moving forward um it's just difficult because it's like i'm still i still edit on my phone which so. i think you told me that and i've been thinking about that every day since you told me i'm like he's a maniac <laughs> like don't you want the space of a laptop or an imac like i have two monitors going when i'm editing yeah and i just like i think about you on that little baby phone moving your finger around and scrolling too hard i'm like it's got to be insane yeah i might get an ipad or something <laughs> <laughs> oh you're gonna really yeah no up? but but i do have the imac at home but it's just like with the phone it's for me it's just that's how I started. It blows my mind, man. Like I knew that I didn't, ha I didn't have enough money to buy the big computer. I didn't, you know, have all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? And we should do a trading places where I edit one on a phone and you do yeah, one see what happens. And they're just both disasters. Yeah, it's just like a mess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was so it's like trying to juggle all that is is difficult. And yeah, I mean. Editing on the phone is a challenge, but I had to do it when I started the channel because I had to figure out a way, okay, how do I get this That was the, the equipment platform? that you had. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've seen that. A couple of things I've seen that resonated towards me is that, um, you know, people always, they'll put buying equipment. You know, well, I'm going to start my channel after I buy this. They use the equipment as an excuse not to start. And one of the most important advice I've ever seen from different creators and different people talk is, Make it with what you have. Yeah. And I really respect that you're like, well, I've got a phone and let's see how far the phone can go. And now you've updated to upgraded to like the Mac Daddy of cameras. So, you know, you got there. Uh, but the other thing is is just like just start building it. Just start doing it. And I think that, you know, we all look at the numbers, but to me, I think that the sweet spot is when the number feels good from your audience. But that content also feels good from you. Exactly. And my news videos during the pandemic did very well for me. But I promised myself when the park reopened, I would reserve those for big headlines. And I wouldn't just be like, park's over. The bench got moved. <laughs> You know it's I mean? five feet over here. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is a horrible news update. They moved the bench from It's a Small World over five feet. Now it's behind a tree and I can't see anything. Like, I just felt like <laughs> I wanted to save those for when it yeah. mattered and not sort of abuse that relationship and not over hype or over sensationalize things. So I do believe it's all a balance. But speaking of the balance, what is your balance of life? Do you have, is, is Theme Park Inception your full time career? Yes. So. Uh, like I said, I worked at Universal Studios. Uh, what were was, you doing there? I was a performer uh, in the Walking Dead attraction. I would love if you're like, well, I was. I did three movies. Uh, maybe you've heard of them. X, yeah. Y, and Z. You were a performer <laughs> that, in the Walking Dead. Yeah. So I was a character. I, you know, and I started work at Universal. A character. You just said that so fast. Let's let that breathe. I know. Scare actor. On your resume, you were a scare. Actor. Yeah. I don't even know if that's like the. That's what Universal calls it. Yeah. So it's like after, you know, I started uh, in 2011 seasonally because I, at the time I was also working at California Adventure when Cars Land opened. I was uh, working on Paradise Pier. And so seasonally I would work at Universal for Halloween Horror Nights and I was doing that since 2011. Wow, you were a double agent. I was, there was time, there was a time where I was nonstop working. Wow. And uh, then in 2016, 
because I moved over to Disneyland a uh, few years prior to that. Uh, I got an offer for the you know, my the guy that I worked at at Universal was like, "Hey, I want you to come to this audition. Uh, it's for something that we're going to be opening up." So I'm like, "All right, cool." I got the audition, got the job, and it was for Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And so I left Disney because obviously I was getting paid more at Universal Studios, uh-huh. and um, I stayed. I was there from. Did you 2016. move up to the LA area, or were you still living in Orange County? I was in Valencia. Okay, I, I had some roommates up there, and uh, so from 2016 to 2018, I was working at Walking Dead, and I started the channel. Or no, 2019. Yeah, I think I'm getting my years mixed up. But I started the channel in 2018 in May. So yeah, it was 2019 I left. And it was the channel started growing and I was like, okay, I, you know, I, I can step away from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like kind of how all that started. Yeah. So I left Universal and YouTube has just been my full-time gig ever since. So when the pandemic was happening and Michael's looking over at you and it's time to pay the rent, you're like, look, man, <laughs> even if I still have my job at Universal, I still wouldn't have a job today. So don't e- give me any of this YouTube. Exactly. Don't give me any of this yeah. YouTube guilt. <laughs> yeah. That was when the pandemic hit, I was, it was yeah. very nervous because yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I, I just made a, you know, a leap of faith <laughs> and it was going great. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, <laughs> the world had another plan, but I, I, I'm here. I'm, I, I made it. You, you rolled out the story my friend and that's (laughs) something to celebrate uh something that i noticed about what what you do that uh i made so i'm I'm coming from the world of design right i was a graphic designer for decades uh, celebrated in the music industry for the type of work that i did and i was actually an artist for the wonderground gallery for a couple years oh awesome and uh when i started doing my channel like programmed as a good artist or good designer i made it like a style guide and the style guide was, you know, who am I in front of the camera? How do I convey my big, because I have a big personality. What slice of it do I share here? And I, I essentially made this style guide. And one of the things I put in the style guide that I think that was so crucial is always pretend like Disney is the client you're making this for. Yeah. Now, I don't think Disney would ever hire me, and I don't know that I would ever want to work for them. I'm very rough around the edges, and I really enjoy my creative freedom. But that being said, Dylan, being in the park and portraying the uh, behavior of cast members, I get complimented all the time. I love, Bricky, how you always say thank you and please, and you know that you're just polite. And I think about it this way. I'm a bootleg cast member. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the park working today. What I'm doing shouldn't interfere any guest experience. I am sort of a utility an outside, like, uh, you know, freelance agent for the park in my mind. And I try to exude the same behavior as the cast member because that not only makes the content feel more on brand, but it, it, it makes it feel like that I'm not invasive to this space. Yeah. I noticed that you also take your cast member behavior and different than me, you actually went through the five keys training course. Yeah. But I like that in your channel that you do have sort of that cast member like personality that comes through it. It makes it feel the channel feel more tethered to the source material, which is the park Disneyland itself. Yeah, you know, I never want like you said, I never want to take people out of their own experience. I mean, people pay a lot of money to come, not just to Disneyland, but 100%. all over to a bunch of different theme parks. And, you know, there are times where we get silly and goofy and I can, you know, I look back and go, okay, yeah, we were kind of loud on Indiana Jones. And we should tone it down. And you next know what? Time. Their kids cry. So it's easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I also, I also think back to, you know, when I took traditions here, I, I went through traditions twice because when I went over to Disneyland side from California Adventure, you, you had to take the class again because yeah. they have what's called Disneyland story because you did California stories. So now you got to do Disneyland. And so I went through it twice. And so I, 
and I did a couple other classes while I was working here. So I, I kept all that value with me. And, you know, I, yeah, it, it still shows in the channel. I think like, it shows a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I always like to be respectful to the cast members because I know what it feels like to be 100%. in their shoes. Like, I know like, if, if a cast member is frustrated, like, that I, I get it sometimes. There, yes. there are some things, you know, that pop up, but I get what what's going on i know what's happening behind the scenes and that's why like sometimes you'll see me go off to the side to do, record a bit or 100%. whatever yeah and and i i as a constructor of this you know when when you watch your peers videos you understand all of the things that are happening you know the audience is just watching it they don't understand why like oh uh, adam dipped over in that corner because it was way too loud over there or you know spencer's telling you this part of the story because it needs to be one person talking in the back of the camera (laughs) shooting over all the noise to katie it's not going to pick up like you know you watch these videos understanding how the construction process works Mm -hmm. and uh i've noticed a lot on yours that i'm like he definitely goes out of his way to be a citizen of disneyland and to not you know because if what we're doing you know because essentially we're showing people like you love this place Go over to YouTube and here's 20 minutes of access to it, even though you're stuck living in upstate Pennsylvania and you can't come out to the park once a year. Like you're a conduit to the good times. But if we go in there and ruin people's good times, we've just defeated the purpose of what we're supposed to be doing. Exactly. You know, the, you never want to do that. And sometimes it gets hard, especially like when we all hang out as a group and there's a big group of us. Yeah. Then it's like insanely goofy. Well, it also gets weird too. Like I noticed this when I was hanging out with you guys during the Avengers Campus opening. There were so many of us sitting at a table, and you know, a lot of you guys have really big audiences that people were like, "That's the YouTube table." Yeah, and you could almost see a lot of people had just spun their chairs around, and they're like, "Those, that's all the knuckleheads that I watch <laughs> yeah. at one table." Yeah, and it can become a little bit of a spectacle that way as well you know um and also people stopping for photos and yeah. stuff you know like you and i were ripping through the park that day and there's lots of dylan yeah you know and you you got to kind of stop and manage that but not like you know flood up the whole area and keep the park moving so when you were a cast member like because you grew up loving the parks tell me about the day that you come home and be like i just got hired to work at dca like what was it like to become a part of the other side of the fence you know you're now part of the magic you're backstage it was like exhilarating because my father worked at disneyland in the 80s he uh, did the horse-drawn trolleys on main street oh wow what a cool job yeah he 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 had fun doing that and so for the longest time i was like you know what i want to work at disneyland Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. and so when i applied and i got the job because you know Prior to Disneyland, I was working in retail, and I hated it. I didn't, you know, it's boring. I worked at the Gap. Where did you work? I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch. (laughs) Dude. The worst one. Hey, when you work in a mall, it's like going back to high school, because (laughs) you'll be like, yo, the girls over at Banana are having a party tonight, (laughs) and and we got invited, and whatever you do, don't invite the manager from Gap Kids, because she's not a nice person. Like, I remember my (laughs) manager at Gap, Jackie, would go, Bricky, that girl that works the pretzel cart has a crush on you <laughs> go down there and get all the leftover pretzels and you don't have to fold the denim wall i'm like jackie i will return with a bag of pretzels and i go down there flirt with her come back with my bag of pretzels didn't have to fold the denim wall like it, like somebody should make well i guess it'd have to be set in the 90s now because yeah. the mall's dead but yeah. man working in a mall is like being in a weird like 
like, oh yeah I college or high school yeah it, i hated it especially working at a, like abercrombie and fish i that I, I left for a reason dude you came home smelling like the cologne oh, every God. day <laughs> i would always get complaints about that and the, the, the cologne your music's so loud oh yeah i, I worked yeah. At, i worked there at a time where they were like really pushing all that stuff so it's like uh, yeah I'm, i was just like i'm tired of hearing this and that's when i applied for disney and i was like you know what? i want to work at disneyland i, yeah. I want to learn what they're learning i want to see behind the scenes i want to see how this machine this massive company how they operate these parts were you worried that seeing how the sausage is made would ruin the delicious taste of the sausage no i thought it was going to make it better and it did it did so when you when you got picked to work at dca were you disappointed that they didn't like, hey, Dylan, it's Barbara. I got you a spot at DCA. You're like, wah, wah. Or were you just excited to be a part of the team? No, I was excited for California Venture because that was when California Venture was receiving its major renovations. Mm-hmm. Like, Cars Land opened up just a few months after I'd gotten hired. Yeah. So, you know, Buena Vista Street was nearing completion. I remember walking out of work some nights and seeing behind the construction fence because at oh, night they open yeah. all that up. Yeah, so and they can so, get in there and start working. Yeah, and I could see just like all the inner workings of them laying the final bits of the brick and the moving the trees, like all those little intricate things. And I'm so obsessed with all that stuff. So I'm like, oh my god, look at like I'm, I tell my friends like, look at what they're doing. Oh yeah. my god, the wall. You're seeing the Sim City in real life. In yeah, real time. and my friends are like, oh yeah, whatever, Dylan. You said that 80 times already. Like, yeah. and I'm like, no, like it's, it's something different. So I was really excited to be at California Adventure. So when the park was finally unveiled to the world, like being a part of that, yeah, that's great. Was really cool. And I have a lot of stuff from um, you know working there that I'll I'll keep forever. Yeah, that's awesome. And so then when they when the position became available and you applied and you got the news like hey you're going to be a part of the disneyland team did that take that emotion just up another run it, it took it up another notch because now i'm like in walt's original park that's you know that is the beauty of disneyland is that that's a idea a mom and pop fly by night operation they built that thing inside of a year you know Walt fighting with Admiral Joe Fowler about how to build things like the Disneyland story is so relatable because it's American entrepreneurism at its finest. And now you're a part of that legacy. You know, mm-hmm. like you, your years are a part of that park's 66th history. Be here on July 17th live stream and see you guys then. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's phenomenal, man. Like the, you became yeah. a part of that. So you had to just like have a smile on your face. Like I'm officially part of Disneyland's history now. Yeah. You know, I worked on the California Adventure, I worked on the California Adventure side, and then being on the Disneyland side, getting that gratification, like, oh wow, okay, I'm on Disneyland now, and being on Main Street, yeah. I wasn't just like placed anywhere. I mean, they put me on Main Street. The first thing people see when they walk through the gates. What were you doing on Main Street? I worked. I was a cashier at Coke Corner and Gibson Girl. Nice. And I was a cashier over at uh, California Adventure as well. So that's why when I when they moved me over to Disneyland, they're like, "Oh, well, you know, what do you want to do?" I was like, "Well, I have cashier knowledge over at California Adventure, so just wherever you guys want to put me." If they assigned me to be a cashier at Refreshment Corner. I would show up on day one with those like little garters on my biceps and just be like, oh, two hot dogs. See? How about anything for the kid? Does the kid need a Coke? You want a pretzel? <laughs> I, would just, I, would ha- I would feel like I'd have to speak old-timey, and they'd be like, here's the thing, Bricky. You're doing really well, but you need to kill the old-timey character. <laughs> where's, where's Spencer? Spencer likes talking like that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was... It was so. It was just so cool, and that's when like then they started doing the the uh, 60th anniversary stuff. Yeah, and so I was all a part of that, and being a part of that was really magical. Uh, 60th anniversary, man! I will never forget the night that me and my wife 
we were standing down in the town square area of main street uh it was the annual pass preview for paint the night and like it was one of those magical disneyland nights where everybody who was standing around you became friends you know and the cast oh, yeah. members were getting this side of the street to cheer louder than that and like everybody was kind of hanging out and, and like people were polite like let's get all the kids down on the curb and then the adults were behind it was like it was like just strangers working together for a better experience because we were all bonded by the annual pass and our love of the park and man oh man when that owl city music started playing oh man the tears would roll down oh, my cheeks. It was on. The magic was leaking, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my dad is a truck driver, and when I saw the semi from Cars, uh, by the way, I learned last night, they made a movie about Cars, Cars Land. I watched it for yeah, the first Cars time. Cars Land the movie. Cars Land the movie. It's sick, dude. It's all <laughs> in the movie. But when, when he came around, and by the way, that guy's like a drunk driver because he got rid of his best friend in the desert. But anyways, oh. when when that semi came around, like my dad's a truck driver, and I used to go on runs with him, and it, ju- it like hit me in the fills. Oh, yeah. And I was able to get my dad in the park for the first his first visit ever and when that semi came down the street and he saw all the kids waving and being pumped by the semi like i looked over at the old man who is stoic as can be like he is the strong silent type i think i saw a little oh, glimmer of magic in his oh, eye oh that that magic hit him but so you're working during that's when paint the night takes over main street that's disneyland forever which i think is the best fireworks display like that's that, my second favorite second oh first favorite, favorite is is a uh, wishes dreams mm. come true or, I, no. just that just think all of this can be yours it's a good forever. line it's a good line so, and when yeah. mickey and walt walk through the castle yeah get me out of here yeah. man <laughs> oh poor yeah, mix that was, magic that was like oh, i know it was well, thing with paint the night like i always get excited doing like uh you know guest control out there they'd be like okay dylan and uh you know my my friends uh, courtney and becky we'd do guest control together and we'd just be dancing and going mm. crazy out there it was so loud and they pumped the music up louder for that parade it, the energy that that parade had was i'd never seen anything like that i like when disneyland goes club for, oh yeah for example i always make the joke on the podcast that when uh that frozen you know club remix <laughs> yeah. gets played mixed yeah. magic yeah. that i rip off my shirt and i'm go-go dancing <laughs> on top of a garbage can yeah i mean i like that music in general i've i've kind of grown up listening to techno tech house and house music so but it's like, like i love it that opening number i think what made magic happens uh the parade so special to me and that was right when i was getting into like covering everything i loved how mixed magic or uh, a magic happens parade was just like so inclusive right oh yeah and my review of that was that that was a parade where for the first time in disney's 65 years of history everyone standing on the sidewalk of main street could see themselves represented in the parade oh yeah Uh, that parade is fantastic and you know it's it's my second it's second favorite to uh, paint the night paint the night and then magic happens right right there but with dude, it that, but it's, that opening sequence calling out dreamers and well, it looks like a runway show coming oh, down yeah, main it's, street it's, it's fantastic in the fact they got todrick hall to do the music and everything yeah. and he he used to work at disneyland and so so like having all that in there is is just so cool i love it when the cocoa float came down the street oh that's a good one and everybody just like celebrated and clapped and got happy like it just made me so happy to be like not only a citizen of disneyland but a citizen of southern california you know, oh yeah like, and be from out here so all good things eventually come to an end when when were you like were you thinking like oh 
my time as a Disneyland cast member is is done? Did, I mean, did you ever think that you would hop from cashier into operations? Like, you know, did you have a, a fantasy of like going through the ladder, or did you know that it was just like sort of a chapter in your life that you would eventually close? Um, I there were thoughts of kind of moving up. You know, I wanted to be a lead, and then kind of maybe going to a management. But then it's like. It was like one of those things where, like, then YouTube thought would would always be in the back of my mind, you know. Yeah. Like, it it was always there. It was yeah. there for the longest time. So I was like, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe I could do this at Disney. Maybe I can't. and then when I got Walking Dead, that's when it kind of really changed because I really loved working at Universal Studios as well, and I loved all the people there, and you know, so and it was hard to leave Disney. I mean, I I got really emotional when I left uh, California Adventure to go over to Disneyland, like really emotional. And then like, you know, I got emotional leaving Disneyland as well. Because it's like you, you have bonds with all those people. Sure. And the, my biggest thing working at Disney... And that last day when they come up to you and they rip your, your tag yeah, off like, your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> Mickey Mouse does it himself. Um, <laughs> You're but, dead to me, Dylan. Yeah. You're dead to me. <laughs> but yeah, he just uses magic. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, like that, it was it was really emotional leaving. And also, you know, you meet people from all around the world. Right. So being a cashier, you know, it's something so minuscule but in reality you're talking to thousands of people and from all walks of life oh yeah and like just asking them questions like you know where are you guys from and then the, then the story begins yeah and it's like that to me was like really cool so it you know it was yeah it was it was hard to leave but, but it, it's interesting though that like that part of that job that you love the most is everything that you put into your youtube channel Right, like in your YouTube channel, you're talking to people from all over. You're sharing the good times. You're inviting them back into the park when they can't physically get there, but mentally, you're taking them there, and that's why they hit play. So it's like that little part of a job. You know, being a cashier on Main Street is not a sexy position, but like that interaction with the audience, like you took the best part of that job and you poured it into your YouTube channel. And I think that's why the channel took off so much because you have that in your DNA. You know, like some people just want to talk about the parks and they're not social people. And when you meet them IRL, you're like, you're weird. <laughs> yeah. I like you better on my iPad. You're yeah. weird in the room. Like <laughs> you are that person that wants to be an ambassador for the park and talk about your love and have other people tell you how they love it. And I think that that part of your job, you can definitely see that in your channel. Well, thank you. Like I, that is always the goal. The goal is to always to show these places off, have fun and make people feel like they're there with me. Yeah. That's what I always like today when we go in the park and you know cruise around, I want people to feel like they're there riding the rides with us they're there walking the park and looking at these things and you know that's what's fun is like pointing out things that maybe they have never even known before don't you love that when the comment on a video is like i had never like because i did a i do a designer walkthrough series where each season i'm just gonna go through each land and document how it's changed and i thought four times a year you know a video for each land that'll give me that historical footage as the park changes and so when i did the critter country one i'm like nobody's watching a a, a video (laughs) about critter country the comments were like bricky i had no idea that that waterfall is in the very back corner i'm like how do you not know that waterfall's there like i love that waterfall bro the night i saw two raccoons playing around it i'm like (laughs) it's real it's real we're actually in critter country but no i i I love when you see in the comments that you just gave somebody something they're going to put on their list for their next visit out because some people only get to go to the park once a year once every two or three we're very spoiled we're very totally and i try to never take that for granted so as we see the park like 
positioning itself and something like disneyland ford pops up yeah. where they're just begging the city of anaheim like look just let us dream with our land and if we can find a way you know the example i did in my disneyland ford video was you know you might in the morning go underground to park your car midway through the day you might be riding an attraction and have no idea you just rode over the top of where your car's at. Oh, yeah. And later that night when you're eating at a hotel or going to bed, you have no idea that you're now sleeping or eating in a room above the attraction you were on, yep. above where your car was parking. And Disneyland Ford is just that. Like Disney is asking the city of Anaheim, let's get rid of these silly, antiquated zoning laws. Let us go vertical. Let us take this like you know little bit of land that we have and really put our imagineering to to the test and dream big so a couple of questions i have for you as a fellow like you know guy who likes to look into the crystal ball of the future critter country yeah that wooded door right that could oh yeah that's always been an expansion pad like right. kind of alley that could be the gateway to a future or it could stay shut if we use that parcel of land behind it, you know, that parcel of land where the Pixar Pals parking structure stops before we get over to the Disneyland Hotel, like that could be our location for the Star Wars Hotel West Coast, or that could be a new land. Dylan, what do you <laughs> want to do with that land? I would I would just want to expand Disneyland. Right. Let's make it even better. Let's let's continue to make it better. There there's uh, you know, without revealing too much of what's going on back there, but there is a nice gap between the Haunted Mansion show building and the Pirates show building. I've always thought, okay, that's what? an Hold app. On. They don't just live in those little buildings in the front? What are you talking no. about? No, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, there, that was always an avenue of, like, interest, especially when they announced this project. I was like, okay, maybe they'll just go out Keep that going. way yeah. or the Critter Country yeah. uh, side because then it's like you can walk back through Critter Country and there could be a really beautiful transition from this wooded kind of thing to but see I feel like they're going to change Critter Country anyway because of the new Princess and the Frog attraction I think they're going to just turn all that into New Orleans Square so how um, when something like that gets announced I have strong opinions strong opinions are my strong point Yeah. so I am like double down I'm not a fan of Splash Mountain I think that it should go away. I'm very into Princess and the Frog. I think that nobody should come to Disneyland and feel awkward or feel no. or feel like, you know, something didn't feel quite right to them. But for you, like do you get into that conversation in your videos or will you just cover it straight like here's the crane? Like do you do you opinionate or do you try to stay away from that? Um I try to stay away from it sometimes because it is a very, you know, th there there can be a, a laundry list of different things people start talking about and then, you know, the I don't want the comments to be I don't want it to turn into something negative. Yeah. Because yeah, people do have their opinions and I think everyone, you know, should have their right to an opinion on on that attraction. I think you know Splash Mountain has it's a fun ride. I enjoy the attraction for what it is, and but I also believe that it's time to go. You know, yeah. like it, it's it, Disneyland's always about change, and even Walt said himself that you know, like Disneyland will never be complete. This thing is always going to change. I love the evolution of the park. Yeah, and Walt knew that. Walt Walt knew that the place was not going to be a museum. They yeah. the whole point of this place was to always change, and that's why he was always being so innovative when he was alive. So it's like with Splash Mountain. Yeah, you know, it is sad to see an attraction go because we're you know we grew up with it, but at the same time, it's like okay, let's let's see what this one's like, and I'm really excited for what they uh, what they're kind of 
pushing for for Princess and the Frog. Well, when we look at all the dark rides that have now been gone through, and you know, plus with the image mapping and the the projection shows, like Alice in Wonderland is phenomenal oh, yeah. right now. Oh yeah, and the new Snow White is great and. To be determined with Pinocchio, like what happens I think over that there. One's next, it has to be, and it I think, has to be. I think Toad is like is like a bookmark for like when something needs to go there, we'll put it there. But for now, we'll just let Toad reside there. Yeah. But circling back around, like if if they hired you, like hey, we're gonna get some fans' perspectives. We want you to come up to Burbank. We watch your channel. We enjoy your perspective. What would you want us to do with that parcel of land that sits between the parking garage and the Disneyland Hotel? Like, do you, you say you want to go into a new land, but I say to you, Dylan, what are we missing? Because right now, between Disneyland and DCA, the resort is pretty diverse in that every major arm of storytelling from the company is represented. So, what do you think isn't there that should be there? I mean, yeah, I mean, the two options would be either to expand in, into a new space that's a new land. Uh, I say originality, like original content. I love you think when they can still do that. They still do uh, overseas. They do it at overseas parks all the time. And w- unfortunately, they don't do it a lot over here in, in America, but they do it all the time overseas. And I, I, I still think that Disney can pull it off. And there's still a lot of original attractions in the park, and even over at California Adventure. So I, th- I still think it's possible. Um, or the other idea would be yeah, to be to to build some sort of hotel or uh, interactive experience kind of hotel thing like the Star Wars hotel. So I, there there are two avenues there. I I, I don't know. I I like the idea of Disneyland getting bigger because Disneyland like people always say like oh what what do you like better Walt Disney World or Disneyland? And I always say well I kind of like Disneyland more because every major e-ticket seems to just be in one park here yeah whereas out, out there it's kind of spread between four right disneyland is such a good park it has so many things it's so to offer. efficient and it oh yeah and it's like if maybe we can we make this even bigger right and, and to the thought of like another three or four rides at disneyland like in a whole new space i mean that's incredible but the hotel idea would be really awesome as well because then it obviously gives disney the chance to you know have more opportunities for people to stay on property yeah i i like the idea of having an additional land back there but i think that the property has to be perfect because like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Like when I went through there, and I always try to look at everything, you know, I try to take my like fandom and put it on a shelf and look at things from like a business logistics, like designer's perspective, which is kind of how I've, you know, led my professional life. And I'm like, you know, they could have easily made Star Wars Galaxy's Edge a upsell. Like you buy a ticket to Disneyland. Oh, yeah. But if you want to go into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and I say that not because I want them to do that now, but it's that removed. And I think that that property is served. Like, cause if you could, if galaxy's edge would have built, been built where tomorrow lands at and you could like look over there and see it, it would ruin the mystique of that does feel like you're off planet. So I think that if they go with a land in that, that space, it needs to be that type of property that makes sense that you just feel like you've gone so far away from everything else because when you're walking through Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, you literally felt like you've left Disneyland. Oh, yeah. I remember when I went the cast member preview day for Galaxy's Edge and we went through the uh, Splash Mountain entrance, the Critter Country transition. I think that's the best one, the Hungry Bear entrance. That one's my second favorite. The My favorite is the one that's closest to Fantasyland. When the Fantasyland, Frontierland mm. slash entrance that you go under, it's like that weird S-curve mm-hmm. into where um, the Mel stand and all that is i love that transition because you just, i think that's the most beautiful transition it's very pretty the one at, at critter country though 
does start to slowly put you in this off planet experience. And like when, again, when I was there cast member preview and I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this is the first time in a long time that I've kind of felt like this. We're not in Anaheim anymore. Anymore, this we yeah. are on a different planet. And then the soundscape kicked in, and the textures on the ground. Because I'm noticing all that kind of stuff. I'm not For just sure. like, oh, there's rides here. No, like I'm like, oh my god, like they put this like track thing on the ground. It looks like robots are, you know. I mean, I went through there with a friend of mine who's an architect that works for Disneyland, and he said he's like bricky he's like the most amazing thing about this is is they're just using like that clay that we walk on that like mud pushed up in a pile that sometimes only six eight inches tall sometimes it goes up to four feet tall but like that clay is acting as a fence yeah if you think about a lot of disneyland actually has like a wrought iron fence around it or it has a pole with like a drooping chain and he's like i can't believe they got away with that and you know they're using landscaping and that that false clay as a barrier and like that's the type of design detail that gets me going dylan i have uh been trying to work on a video for the three tunnels into star wars galaxy's edge Uh, this is how i've categorized them you ready yeah so the hungry bear (laughs) tunnel is for the storyteller the person that loves story will love going through there because the story only builds and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger the tunnel in the middle from big thunder that's for the impulsive fan that needs instant gratification they want to walk through a tunnel and they want to be there but the tunnel that you like i call that the thrill seeker because that's the quickest way to get to like millennium falcon to get to the cantina yeah you know that's the way to get like right into the action and so i think those three tunnels signify a very different person but the tunnel that you like once you go through the first tunnel and then you're looking at that structure that keyhole is beautiful oh yeah that keyhole (laughs) is the world of star wars inside of that tunnel the only other keyhole that is on par with that one is when you're going in pirates and you come around to where the pirates are going to go from skeletons to real you know real men oh yeah yeah and it's that hole where you're going into the battle scene it's the ship in front of you where those people become silhouettes and you see the ship and the and the the coast on your right there it looks like you're going into a theme park poster oh yeah and it's what gets me is the scale yes that's that's another reason why i love that transition it's like you you do that s curve you kind of see the the subtle changes and then you go through the tunnel underneath the train tracks and then it's like okay now we're otherworldly but then when you look through that keyhole off in the distance you see the scale of those petrified trees in the mountain range off in the distance and what like blew my mind i was like oh my goodness like the way they've painted the yes. different spires, yes. those different colors, you know, the, the darker colors mean they're up close, the, the more dull colors are off in the distance. That view is incredible. Yeah, because in the real world, the further something goes away from you, the more it looks blue. Yes. So with Radiator Springs, you see that, you know, the Cadillac range is purposefully painted like 10 shades lighter than the rock work that's in front of you and those spires as they go back there's more blue and like gray mixed in the ink versus when we're walking up to the stores there's that rock that looks like a man's face a profile yeah it's very dark it has like that battery acid like acid wash going down the side of it and i always want to say battery acid not acid wash like it looks like a pair of like lee (laughs) jeans from the 80s but i mean i think galaxy's edge is like close to perfect i mean I as close to perfect as you can get which the moment i walked in there my first reaction was like 
this feels like walking through the streets of Paris. Like it feels so exotic. It doesn't feel like something 13 miles from my home. But then my next oh, thought, yeah. Dylan was like, uh oh, Avengers Campus is in trouble. Yeah, because that sets the bar so high. Right. At Galaxy's Edge, I mean, it's there's so many textures going on there. There are so many colors. There's so many things that are laced together to create this space that the bar is set so high that it's like anything that Disney does beyond that now has to either be that or it it's or, gonna be subpar. So with Avengers Campus, like you're like me. You love the Sim City aspect. Mm-hmm. We know that we're now in Avengers Campus like 1.0. Guardians was like beta. The e-ticket attraction is 100% happening. Oh, yeah. But do you have the same hope that I do that because Marvel is so big, it's so popular, it makes so much money, it's a multi-generational entertainment uh, franchise where, you know, today Black Widow is in theaters and there's an eight-year-old going with their 28-year-old dad and their 48-year-old grandfather sitting there. Mm-hmm. And when they go home, they're going to tell their 68, yeah, we went and saw the Black Widow. Huh? You went and saw Spider-Man? No, no, yeah. no, Black Widow. <laughs> you saw Spider-Man? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, we saw Spider-Man. <laughs> I hope that Avengers goes over into Hollywood land. And Same. Hollywood land, my biggest, and this is why I love covering the parks, Dylan, is like, I kept saying in my videos, what becomes of Hollywood land when the heroes leave? Because yeah. they've really doubled down on that was a place where you could see Cap and Spidey on the corner there, yep. the Black Panther meet and greet, Captain Marvel meet and greet, like studio the backlot premiere shop, which oh the days when like I'm gonna go cover the backlot premiere shop. <laughs> um, that's just an Avengers like superstore now. Yeah. So my dream would be that it all goes in that way. Do you think that's a pretty realistic dream? Uh, yeah, I mean I've said bulldoze it. Like I just completely Let's just reimagine this space. You know, DCA 1.0 is, it's, she's gone. Yeah. You know, and they're, the only part of California Adventure that, from the get-go, that I really loved was the Grizzly Peak area. That was like the one space that I actually kind of liked because I knew in the future, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, this was going to grow. The trees were going to grow. It's right. going to look more beautiful over right. time. That was like the only space in California Adventure I knew. I'm like, yeah, you can keep this one. I have often tried to do this like designer, um, you know, like practice in my mind uh, of trying to imagine what if they took that mountain down. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can see that park without a lot of pieces to it. Uh, other than like, you know, Cars Land is for sure there to the, the bulldozers take the whole thing down or the the atom bomb drops on it but yeah grizzly peak i've like tried to do this like you know creative exercise of imagine it without that and i can't even though that's an attraction that honestly i have never ridden it i have really i have no i don't want to get that wet man uh, it's, it's not that bad during the winter this is <laughs> get out of here get out of here you're trying to get me pneumonia brother this is this is what i always say to people the time that you see me Riding on Grizzly Peak, you'll know it's also the first time that I stayed at the Grand Californian. Because my idea is ride it, get soaked, go over to the hotel, take a shower, get in a new pair of slacks, yeah. and then get back to ripping. But it's weird like to have like an affection for something that I don't even consume as an attraction. But I just think that, that the the heavy lifting that Grizzly Peak's doing, and I always tell this to people when I do the you know the flannel-sleeved uh, uh, tour, not the, the plaid tour, is that... A lot of parks would just put up a fence. Mm-hmm. They build a mountain so you can't see Paradise Pier or yeah. Pixar Pier. And you go into a lot of parks where they don't build the mountain. Nope. And do you, 
when you go to Six Flags Magic Mountain that's missing the mountain, how do you like how do you remove your Disneyland like snobbery and cover like Six Flags for what it is and not go, well, this looks like a construction project. <laughs> how do you how do you like separate and judge them all on their own merits? It's because I don't um I don't hold Six Flags to the same standards as Disney. Ah. Like Six Flags is doing their own thing and they yeah. know that like yeah. they are a roller coaster park and their thing is instead of building this like kind of gorgeous looking you know Galaxy's Edge thing or this grizzly bear they just want to build the coolest roller coaster thrill seeking and they just want to cater the thrill seekers you know and they, they make it look good and you know it's not it's not like it looks awful but you know when I go to Six Flags it's a different perspective when I go to Knott's Berry Farm it's a different perspective when I go to you know like yesterday at Adventure City I'm not expecting anything <laughs> insane at Adventure City you yeah. know like <laughs> it's I ever I wanted to tell you this but I didn't want to interrupt you earlier so when my nie- we flew my niece out here from New York and we we're going to take her to Disneyland for the first time and I drove to Adventure City and said here it is <laughs> and she was like what yeah. and then I'm like just playing and we got back in the car and then we went to Disneyland <laughs> for Adventure City. No, I had fun at Adventure City though. Shout out to all the employees that were really nice over there. Um but you know, I so I have a different perspective at each place I go to. And then when I come to Disneyland, you know, that's why when uh you know, with this new project that was announced, I'm expecting Disney to just pull out the stops. You know, like, let's yeah. you know, this is a this is a big deal. I mean, Disneyland's expanding and so is California Adventure hy- hypothetically. You know, California the, Adventure has got to expand. Oh, they have to. And there's a lot of room to to yeah. throw some stuff in there. I think California Adventure in this deal could make out the best because yeah. We all, from going to downtown Disney so many times during the pandemic, we know how big that Simba parking lot is. Oh, yeah. Simba. It is massive. Yeah. Simba and Zazu and then like Lilo and Stitch and all that. That, that, that. All that is so massive. I've always thought like they should just bulldoze the Paradise Pier Hotel and rebuild a hotel on the far corner. How dare you? I know. That hotel is a keepsake and a yeah, treasure. It's been there for so long. They bought it from somebody else. It wasn't even originally a Disneyland yeah, it, hotel, right? No, yeah. It wasn't owned by Disney. Yeah. And, and then they bought it a long time ago. And then it's for me, like i just don't i wish they would change i I would yeah again bulldoze it and then maybe make a victorian-esque style looking hotel Mm. that kind of matches the pier like midway mania and stuff that that facade i think that would look really pretty because then it would fit all into that space whereas like i'm not really a big fan of hotels being seen within the parks you know universal does that sometimes too and i was like i don't i don't like that like at volcano bay they have the cabana bay towers it's it looks nice it's whatever but I just want to be immersed in the environment. Yeah. I, I think that the um, Grand Californian does a really good job of playing into like, yes, you're up north in the state and you're, that's the lodge off the side of the, the, uh, the state or the national park. Like that does a good job. But yeah. And the fact that it's still the paradise pier hotel in front of the Pixar pier. Like, yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. Order a ball, put it on the side of that thing. Let's get going guys. Yeah. But that makes me think, though, that the fact that they haven't jumped into that, that there's other things at work. They're going to change it. So for you, what would you like to see happen in that? Because DCA has that massive footprint. We both agree we'd love to see Marvel take over the other side. What would you like to see push on the other side of Disneyland way there? Well, if Marvel's not going into the Hollywood backlot area, I wouldn't mind seeing Marvel in that new space. And you're okay with it being on two different sides of the park? Yeah, because, I mean, let's be real here. California Adventure is just a hodgepodge. (laughs) I mean, I honestly think that they should rename the park. I don't think it should be called California Adventure. I think it should be called something else, and then just Disney can 
make California Venture just a space where they can really be incredibly creative with a bunch of different things. I, I think that once Marvel is kind of like hit as far as it could go, and I'm with you, you know, if they can get Disney Ford going and they could do what they wanted to do, bulldoze the area where the buses come in and out, yes. reroute the monorail, take Hollywood land down to dirt, because look how that worked out with Galaxy's Edge. If they can really redo that into the park and then go on the other side and, and put some like you know, world-class stuff over there, which you know that they would do because they would be using the land and they'd be doing rock work because there's homes on the other side of that, I think the name should be Disney's Adventure. Yeah, same. I thought about the same exact name. And, Disney's and, Adventure, and, and it rolls off the tongue. Yeah, and uh, but you know, then again, Disney's California Adventure. You're going to an adventure park in California. It kind of works if they want to be stubborn, but there's not much California left in it. No, and you can keep Buena Vista Street. You can keep all those things because look at Disneyland. Disneyland has Main Street. Sure. Main Street has nothing to do with Critter Country, Galaxy's Edge, and all that kind of stuff. So, like, you can keep those aspects of the park. But yeah, there needs they need to do something. They need to continue to evolve California Adventure. It's not just over with Cars Land and Avengers Campus. Like it needs to, California Adventure needs another ten years of solid. Like okay, we're gonna demo this. We're yeah. gonna get rid of this. We're gonna change this. And yeah, with Avengers Campus, like I want more out of Avengers Campus just because the the franchise is so massive. They got so many stories and so many heroes and heroines, and it all. You couldn't find a franchise that placates better to experiential stuff like rides and and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, it's not like they have this big franchise. It's like, you know, uh, YA, like teen books, like how do we make a Judy Bloom land? <laughs> yeah. Like it's all ready for action oh, and yeah. adventure. It's, it's and with, insane. With the way the technology and the video boards and how much they can get done. And, you know, if the Hyperion Theater became a Marvel type uh, show, that would give them, you know, in a theater environment, they could bring the life characters that they just can't have walking through the thoroughfares of the park. But I'll say this about Avengers Campus. If they keep the heroes going, it's a huge success. Yes. But if they get lazy on the entertainment, it falls off fast. Yeah, because Avengers Campus is built around those kind of experiences. I right. mean, look at the Spider-Man structure. Like That whole structure is built in stunt show with with the stunt show in mind which is phenomenal to think about the you know you go and see waterworks up in universal right oh, yeah, water, wa yeah, water world, water yeah. world whatever it's water. <laughs> based off of a four-hour you, <laughs> you, you go to kevin costner land yeah. and see that big plane jump down so like the old idea for a theme park stunt show was amphitheater yes and the fact that disneyland said okay instead of using this horizontally let's make it vertically so along the whole front of that attraction we're going to essentially you know kick out 15 feet go up two and a half stories and use the whole length of that building as a vertical stunt show that's genius problem solving oh it's great because they had to make that building multi-purpose because right. the bugs land you know space not bugs lands but the the it's tough to be a bug space was yeah. very small and it's like most of the attraction sits inside of that old theater which is insane and it's yeah which is nuts I, I, it blew my mind when i saw how buzz light your astro blasters was laid out it's just all in the circle vision theater yeah but with spider-man yeah the same thing it's all in that theater and then they had to go okay well where the heck do we put the q space well we had to build this extra space on top of what used to be that underground kind of which yeah. i actually kind of liked like uh, it was kind of cool but and they also thought, okay, well, how do we entertain our guests as well at the same time? Let you know, let's let's design it with multi-purpose and 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 I love that. I mean, I just love the idea of just there's a a vertical runway stage down the side of it that this show, phenomenal show. I mean, it's hard not to like 
like I'm filming, so I don't want to be like, yeah, but yeah. I can't help it. Every time I see the Spider-Man fly, it's magic. it really is. So as somebody who travels, you know, the country going to all of these parks where, you know, they don't, they're not tethered to the same amount of like story and, you know, uh, immersive experience that Disneyland is, you know, Disneyland's like, but where will we put the trees? <laughs> yeah. What do you think? that Disneyland is missing that you have seen at some of these hardcore parks where you're standing up or, you know, your, your, your body's doing something different or they're really pushing the limits of like what you can handle in five and a half minutes. Like, what do you think Disney is missing from a thrill seekers guide? I mean, definitely like I, it's, it's hard because like I said earlier, like I don't expect Disney sure. to do that kind of stuff, but if I were to, to have my say, I, I would say like, yeah, let's bring in another thrill ride. Let's do another roller coaster. I mean, we've done roller coasters really well. Let's Big Thunder Mountain, Space Mountain, stuff like that. Let's do an innovative one. Do you let's, think it can be outdoors? Yeah, but the thing is, is then you have to like really theme it because Disney hates putting roller coasters yeah. with the exception of Incredicoaster. Because the theme is, <laughs> it's a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. That's like that one time they're like, okay, here it is. You know, like, so... I want Disney to do something really cool with, with coasters, which is why I'm really excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. Cosmic Rewind? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that. I'm not a big roller coaster guy, but as soon as that thing is targeted, I'm going to Walt Disney World because I kind of have a feeling that that is the future of Disney. Like, I think Cosmic oh, yeah. Rewind is yep. like, imagine if the haunted mansion was a thrill ride yeah and and i when they remember that jd showed that little sliver of it in one of his like hey this is everything that we're working on they showed it like last december and i was like oh that ride looks really really small and then our boy jack over at dsmy is like that's just like an eighth of the <laughs> yeah. entire thing and he did a beautiful video i recommend anybody to watch where he showed how that ride works and the idea of essentially being in a doom buggy that can spin wherever we're supposed to look and then you and i going through these giant imax like 360 projection boards oh yeah and it's all filmed by Tim Gunn with the actual actors, you know, no It's gonna be nuts. Nobody trying to impersonate um, you know, Tom Hanks voice. <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna be, I think, a phenomenal attraction. I think so too. I mean the roller coaster war is on and uh, as a theme. Who do you park, think's winning? Well, right now Universal with Velocicoaster. And they've like as Disney has doubled down on story and heritage. Universal has doubled down on thrill, correct? Yes, I w yeah, they would definitely doubled down on thrill. But with Velocicoaster, there is some story element there, and they actually did a really beautiful job piecing that together. I mean, the ride looks gorgeous, and that's when I will, you know, say, yeah, you know, it is excusable to see the coaster track because the coaster track kind of looks beautiful on itself, but then it it, it weaves together with this rock work and this this you know, this Raptor paddock that they got there. So, I would say Universal right now is winning, but. They definitely have their eye on Guardians of the Galaxy because you know that's the it's going to be the biggest indoor roller coaster in the world. Wow! So it's like, what kind of you know? I'm in interested. Like, what kind of thrill is that going to be? I already know some of the first elements of the ride, like what's going to happen. So I'm like, well, but what after that? Right. Because the first half of the rides are already a, a, a good punch in the gut. It's like, what's next? Yeah, getting shot 65 miles per hour backwards, backwards. is like not uh, what... Yeah, up into a show building. You don't just go like into the show building like like rock and roller coaster and, and into an inversion. Like you, you're going up and into this like massive hill and then who knows what while spinning at the same time. It's... And... I'm all for it. The property of Guardians is like just chaos. 
right? Like it's it's a comedy, it's drama, it's a superhero film, it's an action movie. Like that that property is such chaos that anything can happen. And you know, I love the Tower of Terror, but same that reimagine as Guardians, it really does work well. It's brilliant. I think you know, yeah, we were. I think we were all sad when, <laughs> when sure. Tower of Terror was going, but you know, it's one of those things where. Uh, you know, I had a feeling I was like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy actually might be pretty cool. And then, because you know, for me, I don't know the Marvel stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I know Star Wars more than I do the Marvel stuff. Like, so that's why even when I walked into Avengers Campus, I'm like seeing this as a, at a perspective of like, okay, well, how are they going to entertain me? Because I don't know any of these people. Right. So, you know, I was kind of going into Mission Breakout like that too. But when the ride started and it just was, it's just bonkers with the with the music like with rock and roll playing i sounded so old saying that yeah, playing a rock and, <laughs> roll. rock and roll but as you know i i think that they literally had their engineering go how hard can this thing go because we want to <laughs> yeah. push it to the limits but <laughs> to crank it to 11 because it goes up and down so many times you get so spun out and with that good soundtrack going and you know the boards open up like when the boards open up to the video sequences it's okay. Yeah, it's it's not the main focus. But the thrill of just that, just getting slingshot up and down, up and down, not having any idea how many more are left or where you're going. And with that music playing, you know, me and my buddy Philander always talk about on the podcast, when the animatronic of Rocket goes underneath that pipe. Oh, that was so cool. That's like such- That was so he's cool. He's interacting with his environment, which suddenly makes it all feel so much more real. That was trippy when I saw that for the first time. I was like, whoa. They I've only put that, that pipe there for him to go underneath it, man. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. Like I was like, wow, this that sold me right there. I was like, okay, this is gonna be something special. And that that that's hard to do. That's very difficult. So what is are your expectations for that new universal park that's being built? Oh man. Oh my goodness. That park, I think my expectations are high. Yeah. I mean, they've already said that it's gonna be the largest theme park in America. Wow. So just that alone, I mean that's a that's a that's a huge space, and I've seen, uh, you know, Adam and I went up into that, uh, the Orlando, like the uh, the, the Orlando Eye or I, whatever it was, yeah, yeah. and uh, you can see right into the project, and it, it's just massive. It's massive. So expectations are high. They've said they're going to put a lot of great IPs in there, um, and then there's also things that we have no idea what they're going to do. Do you think that with that being in Orlando and Orlando being like, you know, vacation city of America... Do you think that that'll be a park where they take their theming and, and try to go up a notch and try to give a little bit more of that storytelling experience? One thousand percent. Yeah. Because look at Islands of Adventure. Uh, have you been to Islands of Adventure? I've only ever been to Disney parks. Oh, see, Islands of Adventure. I'm a is gold cool. star Disney fan. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, Islands of Adventure. You would like Islands of Adventure because of just the design element of just like the front entrance, the yeah. port of entry with the music. It's really like out there. And then just the architecture is something that, like, when I first saw that, I was like, wow, this is this is a universal park. Yeah. Because when you think of universal, you think of the thrill rides, you think of all that kind of the movie stuff. You don't think of that, the sheer originality. And I think with Epic Universe, they're going to take what they learned from Islands of Adventure and bring it up to the next level. I think Epic Universe is going to be extremely gorgeous so work me through this because i've watched your videos and i've watched everybody else's videos i've never been to universal hollywood studios and it like kind of it blows my mind wait you've never been to universal uh, here in hollywood bro i've only ever been to disneyland oh i'm gonna take you we're gonna go uh luckily my cousin ricky bricky <laughs> is coming out from kentucky and he's gonna go do 
uh, for my channel. He's going to cover Knott's Halloween. Oh, yes. Uh, so you'll get to see Ricky out at the park experiencing that. But far as me, I've only <laughs> ever been here. But, but maybe Cousin Mickey or Dickie could go up to Universal. <laughs> but, but the thing that I have a hard time as a designer working my like my creative brain around is the theme park has an escalator in the middle of it yeah it's wild universal's design is like they're like let's build a theme park on a hill because <laughs> like, you can drive like because when i've been going to do interviews at um you know the abc disney building yes and i rip by there or when i've interviewed people that live up at the top of the hollywood hills on the valley side like it's not hidden you can just look in the entire park oh yeah so i've stood in people's backyard before and be like huh there it is but when i see you guys go up and down the escalator i'm like Come on, man. That, yeah, the escalator doesn't have a theme to it. Yeah, just that crazy music. <laughs> that's crazy, it's, man. It's, it, it's definitely, it's be, it's like become a, an attraction. You know, it's like one of those things, oh, it's the universal, it's the Starway. But Do it, they make t-shirts for the escalator? I think they, they should. I think they have, like, I think they've done merchandise on the Starway. Come ride the escalator, <laughs> the Starway. Most ride ever. That, to me, it, it like literally blows my mind when i see you guys going up and down and i'm like i don't it's, know man. it's wild. wild from a design perspective it, it's because it's like they you know when they were building the park and when they were kind of expanding the lower lot and they're like well how the heck are we going to get all these people yeah down to the to the but bottom they of the didn't lot think about doing like ski lift or i like, think it's because the i don't know that's a good question i think it's because they want people to see how all this is happening because that's the whole thing with University of Hollywood is like we make movies and television here which people still to this day don't think that that's what they do there so they're using transparency as a theme yeah which I think that's one of the biggest draws to Universal Studios Hollywood yeah. at least when I worked there I, you know talking to people like yeah they, they love coming seeing how those movies are made seeing how the productions kind of so I think that's just Universal's gimmick that Universal lot there where like Back to the Future and all that stuff oh it, yeah yeah it is so if once you learn that that lot it is so recognizable in all kinds of projects like, yep. wait a minute that's the old courthouse that's and you know that little block where like a thousand things have been filmed i have because of my creative brain like i have all these like imaginary like moments in history in my mind of like how, how it must have worked and one of them is i see this imagineer like walking into the, the the boardroom and disney goes uh my bud tom over at universal just told me get this they're putting in an escalator <laughs> It's just like all of them like rolling around yeah, and falling. They're putting it in an yeah, escalator. Yeah, that's literally how it is. So wrong. what should we do with Galaxy's Edge? I don't know. Put it in an escalator. Like I see that as being the long-term joke. Somebody from Universal like, this guy is such. <laughs> yeah, but see, I think Disney needs to always be on their toes because there are things that Universal does that they are. I mean, when I think the biggest moment where Universal said, you know what? We're going to show the world yeah. what we're capable of was when they premiered uh hogsmeade at islands of adventure yeah back in the day that's the motorcycle ride no no that's uh the harry potter land the whole land oh. when they unveiled that i think that's when the industry was like okay i don't like that little witch the other the harry potter I, I i've only seen like two of the movies and i'm like Whoa. okay i went i went and like this is get me out of here but the land is really cool i thought lord of the onion rings was boring this <laughs> one's even worse <laughs> now that the land is cool because it's just there's 
it is one of those spaces where you walk in and you're like, wow, yeah. this is very beautiful. Except for when you, in Hollywood, you get to the back end of the land and then you see the giant administration building, which they've tried to hide it. It used to be yellow and then they painted it blue. To oh, match nobody the sky. can see it now. No one can see it. I, I only, yeah, it's barely there. The the best thing I can say about Game of Thrones for me personally is it got me to care about castle times. I <laughs> yeah. literally don't care about castle times whatsoever. And I feel like that little witch is from the castle times. Yeah. So uh, a question for you then is, when we get back to Disneyland Ford, what do you envision for Toy Story parking lot? Because I know that when you go out to Walt Disney World, you're oh, yeah. a big fan of, of Disney Springs. Like, Do you want to see Disney Springs West get developed there? Because in my mind, and people will hate me for saying this, I don't think Disneyland needs a third gate. The two no. parks represent so much of the corporation. Each of the two parks have room to grow. A third gate, I think, would just be monotonous, and I think we might get back into the problems of DCA 1.0 of like, so they built the park, but what do we do here? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I There's still a lot of work that can be done with the parks that we already have, in the space that we already have. Yeah. And California Venture is a perfect example. And there's still years of work to be, so why bother As long as Schmoozie's there, there's still work to be done. Yeah, Schmoozie's. <laughs> actually, yeah, Schmooze, I need I need to go back to Schmoozie's. They just reopened. So. Yeah, they have like a coffee bar in there now, and you can get a uh, affogato and yeah. all kinds of stuff. My old uh, friend that I used to work with that on the pier on Paradise Street, she's the manager over there. So she's like, come over to Schmoozie's. And I'm like, I will be there when I can get over there. It's the last untouched building. Yeah, it really is. It's the last thing. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done at California Venture. So I don't think it, it would be wise, business-wise, to be like, hey, we're going to spend $3 billion on a whole new theme park. No, like take that $3 billion and put it back into the parks that we already have and make these parks just even more world-class than they already are. Yeah. I mean, you know, with the, with the, with the Toy Story lot, yeah, I wouldn't want mine to see like, you know, uh, Disney Springs uh, over here on the West Coast. But, you know, I think it, would, it needs to be a little bit more unique because, what, unfortunately, you know, we got Downtown Disney and then we have the Garden Walk over there. And then if they do another mall, it's like, okay, well, this is just a bunch of malls. So it needs to be something like, I, I don't know, I feel like it needs to be something more unique. It needs to be something really creative. And I, I, you know, I've always said that Disney should just like, Disney needs to buy the Garden Walk and they need well, to like, yeah, Mice Chat put up a uh, a graphic of showing that if they take the Toy Story lot, they buy Garden Walk, they have that huge parcel of land where they were going to put the the eastern side um, parking garage. They already cleared out that hotel where they were going to do the Sky Bridge. So now you're kind of like, you can be in the Esplanade and easily get over to Toy Story by staying on property the whole time. Yeah. And, and you know, if that area over there did become, uh, you know, a West Coast version of Disney Springs, it would be interesting to see, like, do we still need all this downtown Disney? Or can that land be absorbed by the parks? Like, it's just such a interesting time to be a fan because it feels like anything could happen in the next 20 years yeah i mean really when you think about it uh if disneyland forward gets approved by the city which i think it will be i think the city yeah. is pretty i think after the last year they're like sorry yeah i think the city <laughs> now realizes that yeah we're kind of nothing without this park you yeah. know uh i think what's going to happen is if that project gets approved uh, you know in the concept art it shows that that half of downtown disney is gone yeah like where the amc theater and all that kind of stuff is it's just completely demoed i mean so, the amc is a massive footprint man massive oh footprint. yeah so i think they might just yeah they might just completely ditch downtown disney and move that operation over to the parking lot in toy story because that's they they won't have that retail space anymore once they expand how many season passes do you own for how many different parks oh wow um so i have a universal orlando pass i have a sea world pass 
which is good for all the SeaWorld and like Bush Entertainment Parks. Um, Knott's Berry Farm Pass. I have Six Flags membership. Universal Studios Hollywood. And I think that's it. Because when I went to Silver Dollar City, I didn't buy a pass, even though they're really cheap. Oh, you, like, you also forgot, you have a legacy pass. Who, who's, what is that? <laughs> it's like a unicorn that keeps showing up. It's like, I'm only going to be here for 30 days. This, I'm back for another 30. This is where you'll hear me be a little bit opinionated. Legacy pass doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't mean anything. And I kinda, it kind of irks me when, you know, I love Disney. Disney, I love you. But it irks me when they say like, "Oh, this legacy path." No, we don't. There is no such thing. It's just. It's just a made up. We're thing not your try, customer anymore. Yeah, it's just a made up thing to try to make you feel better. Yeah. So a, a, a suggestion for you, well, you know, workshop a little idea. You have such a uh, great take on all these theme parks. You've been to all of the the like the world's best theme parks. Have you ever contemplated like getting in your car? making tour dates and literally just going from here to like New York and hitting all of the little ones in between like Kings Island and Cincinnati, Ohio and Kentucky kingdom. And like, have you ever thought yes. about like literally <laughs> like making a tour shirt and just be like theme park obsession hits yes. the road. And you know, this is all the little spots we're going to go to. I'm so happy you brought this up. Yes. Like I have been, that's by the way, the I brought this up organically. He didn't tell me to say this. I'm just, this is just me reading the note. If people were watching that, you see me with the fist like, yes. Um, no, like since, that's been the goal since I when I started the channel. My 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 one of my core things was like I want to travel the world. Do I want to I want to do I want to travel the country. I want to do as much as I can. I only got one life to live. I want to see it all. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've always wanted to just say you know okay we're gonna start here and we're just gonna go to like so many different places. It's gonna take me a couple weeks, but we're gonna do it. And that, yeah, it's always it's always been one of those like lifelong goals. See, I think the the beauty of you hit like a hundred thousand subs over on youtube which is not too far away from you and you reach out to these places and you use fomo to be like hey i'm doing 50 parks in 50 days i would love for you to be number 37 you know hey santa claus or you know uh, holiday world in santa claus indiana uh, you know i'm gonna be on this here i'm gonna be there i want to come to your park on this thursday is it just be like is it okay to film in your park? yeah like i think you could get like you know the red carpet rolled out for you because that story and they'll be like dylan from california came to our park on this day we were park number 37 like i feel like if you put some work into this like you're the perfect person to do this thing oh yeah it's been on my mind it it, it has been on my mind because if i did it it'd be two days here and then 48 days me being like man <laughs> man paint it <laughs> I need a weed eater. You just see me doing maintenance on the other parts. Yeah. Like, Today, guys, we're going to paint a fence at Holiday World because it needs a paint job. Yeah, no, it's been on my mind. Like, like I said, you know, talking about earlier, like where my head's spinning a million miles an hour. Like, I'm thinking about those projects too. Like, yeah, when do I get in a car and just, all right, here we go. And if you had a vehicle that was an interesting thing, that's kind of like a theme park, it would make it even better. Yeah. Uh, so one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about is. We just found out Oogie Boogie is back. Yes. So how do you, like, let's get through your mind. Do you, do you just ride or die? You got to be there opening day. Do you come back on on Halloween? Like, how when something like that lands into the news feed, how does your brain process how that fits into your content um, creation? Well, 
first and foremost, Halloween is my favorite time of year. It's been my favorite time of year since the dawn of time. Like yeah. it, it is my it is my thing. And that's why I worked at Universal for those eight yeah. years, being you know scaring the heck out of people. Um, so when I think of like w- w- the events like this, it just comes down to like, do I have time to do it? And in that in the other aspect, I don't try to be first. You know, I don't want to. If I'm there first awesome if i'm not there that's awesome too i think the the youtubers that burn out and have the the crash and don't enjoy it is like the pressure to be first if you're going to surf that wave it's going to drive you crazy yeah i think it's better in your mind to not be first but try to be the best that you can be covering that thing um that being said there's a rumor going around that you're too scared to go to oogie boogie and that's why you won't answer this yeah, question yeah it, it is pretty terrifying that treat trail <laughs> hey that treat trail a lot of people never come back from yeah that. <laughs> yeah you just get lost in it. no I've, I've actually i was actually talking to michael about uh the the party uh just a few few minutes ago and I, i'm still deciding i, I don't i don't want to like go by myself i want to go with a few people um i've always wanted to see it. i've never done any of the halloween parties at disney and it's just really? because i've done other halloween events. By that. yeah i've done other halloween events i've gone to not, not scary farm i've worked halloween horror nights so it was hard to go to other events so i never had the opportunity to um go to disney and you know disney's a little bit more expensive so i kind of just would take that money and put it towards like halloween horror nights not scary farm and whatever so something like that pops up and and you don't like automatically like open up your calendar and try to figure out the date for it. you just you're you're that kind of passive with it with with the Disney event, yes. Now with Halloween Horror Nights, no. It is like okay. So that's your ride or die. Event. That the Halloween Horror Nights stuff is the ride or die. That's like okay. I want to I want to be there because it's not you know. So that's already in your calendar. Like you oh, already kind of have that planned out. Oh yeah. So with with Boo Bash, it opens up or not Boo Bash, uh, Oogie Boogie Bash. It opens up the same day as Halloween Horror Nights Hollywood. Oh really? Yeah. What on, a pissing on, match. I know, and I'm like, well, that's kind of silly. I, I'm going to pick Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, one, I get that. Because one, you know, it means something to me. My friends are there that you know, actually work at the park. And I'd I also have to think from a metrics perspective, there's a bigger click rate on people wanting to see that than like a kid's Halloween Yeah, party. exactly. Halloween Horror Nights, is the, the horror community is huge. Oh my and God. It, I mean, people love seeing those mazes and stuff. So yeah, yeah I mean, for the channel, it is been more beneficial for me to just go you know to halloween horror, horror nights and then on top of that i'm also a huge fan of it so like with with oogie boogie bash i'm trying to go i'm trying to find a day because i'm you know going out to orlando for the 50th anniversary yeah me too. celebration oh okay cool yeah. so yeah i mean so it's with oogie boogie it's just trying to fit it into the schedule okay so work me through this you go to the uh universal halloween opening night on that thursday um in early september mm-hmm you go there, you experience it. Do you leave early? Because you're like, I got to edit this and get it up no. by, by Friday. Or do you just stay till the end and you go home and you go to bed? Because, like, you know, when we were all piecing out from Avengers Campus, you know, Spencer's like, oh, I got to go home and get an edit on this. <laughs> and then Katie's like, you could wake up at like 4 a.m. And, and he's just like, what, 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 what good is that going to do me? And like, there was just that debate on like, how do we edit this? How do we get it up like as, as quickly as possible? So how do you run that pressure? Like if you go to that on that Thursday opening night, will you make sure that you don't have anything booked that Friday so you can get up that morning and have coffee and do an edit? Like how, how do you well, try I'll, to figure your turnaround? Well, like I'll edit that morning or that night. 
um, like for Halloween Horror Nights, uh, like that video, if it opens up on the 9th, that video will be up on the 10th. So you'll 100% get it out the very next day. Yeah, because I'm like, I will edit a video. Like Sometimes if I'm really, if I know there's going to be a time issue, I will edit as I shoot. So like I'll shoot the... Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I'm insane. You just blew my mind but that's the benefit of shooting and editing on a phone yeah so i'll shoot the b-roll i'll do whatever you know today i have the canon g7x so that kind of puts a challenge but i do have an adapter for that so it's like if it comes down to it i can get some pieces into lumafusion because that's what i edit on and then that way i have some of the core there so then when i wake up the following morning i'm just dragging and dropping yeah yeah you just finesse it um with with what you're doing on the phone how do you handle like the audio clips? Because you know, like when two clips, when two video clips go in each other, you can get that, you know, that yeah. pop. Are there tools in there that will massage that and like fade, crossfade that for I, you? Yeah, I will just like separate the audio because yeah, I'm like really bad at the pops, and I'm sure throughout this podcast you've heard me like hit the thing or bother you'll hear a couple pops because I'm horrible at that. But like I'll I'll separate the audio and then I'll like fade it in so like you can't hear that. You know, when I started the channel, I didn't do any of that. Just clip after clip. After just clip after clip. It I, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know how to do any of that. I mean, I started in iMovie and same. And then I realized that you could only put so many video tracks in there. So I would like x. I would export a video and then add more video to that export. Yeah. And then somebody's like, my friend Carl, who works for the LA King, she's like, look, man, you got to get in Premiere. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're a professional. You know everything about Photoshop. You know everything about Illustrator. Premiere will be like one rough weekend for you, and then you'll love it. And that weekend, I was like the hell with you carl how dare you complicate my youtube's already enough work that i'm not seeing any money from how dare you and now like i just buzz through premiere i love oh, that's that how i am with Luma i love that workspace yeah. that's how i'm with lumafusion at first it was very like because i was so used to iMovie yeah and then i go to lumafusion i'm like holy moly and now i'm i can get an edit done within minutes now like, it feels like home oh yeah like that's it, that's fascinating because you know the the b-roll the montages you do the way that it syncs up with the music like doing that on a phone like i used to literally think he's a crazy person but the idea of while you're waiting for an attraction and you can maybe like get a little bit of an edit or start to lay it out like i liked it the next day that you're just kind of like massaging it and getting it to flow good and doing that second pass through versus like oh my god i shot (laughs) 45 minutes and i gotta get it down to 10 there's eight thousand clips how do you do you worry about video links? No, I mean, I, to a degree where like I don't want it over a certain amount. Like lately, I've been uh, playing around with like twenty to thirty minute videos, which a lot of people love. Uh, they love you know sticking around for thirty minutes. But I think that is like my threshold. I don't think I would ever do a forty minute video. If it's forty eight, you put it in watch later, and you're like that that one deserves like a certain slot in my life. And sometimes yeah. you never make your way back to it in your watch later. Yeah, because when you think about it, I mean that's a long time. That, there's a very long time. The audience retention there, and you have to be really kind of you know playing around with that for people to stick through a 40 minute video so that's why i always try to stick with 20 to 30 minutes now because there's actually enough to talk about and yeah. look at in the parks that you know to justify that time length i think it's our time to go inside of the park today yeah let's have some fun so dylan on behalf of all the people that have enjoyed your channel and all the different theme park news that you've brought us man like you're doing a great job appreciate the channel uh, when i announced that i was doing this series your name kept coming up people wanted to hear us uh-huh. hang out and have this conversation and I don't think any of them would be let down because thank you so much for sharing your your story, how you went from cast member to working in all of this. And uh, 
one last quick story for you. Uh, when I interviewed the guys over at Skybound Entertainment mm-hmm. that actually created the Walking Dead franchise, um, you know, before I hit record, I say, hey, if there's anything you don't want to talk about, just let me know and you know we'll take care of that my opening spiel that i say before i hit record and the guy goes you can ask me anything you want other than to be an extra in the walking dead (laughs) he goes every other question is fine but you cannot ask me that question and then i just had to be like why he goes because we're so annoyed with it nobody ever really wants to do it it's the most exhausting day ever he's like trust me you don't want to do it i'm like hadn't even crossed my mind but now that you put it there i kind of need to ask But Dylan, thank you so much for having this conversation, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me on. This was so much fun. Mm -hmm. I love these kinds of things, and I'm so thankful that you had me uh, on today. We'll definitely have to do it again and break down some of the big news that's happening and keep a conversation going. Oh, yeah, 100%. Friends, I don't know about you, but I will say this. That conversation could have outlasted any set of batteries, batteries, come at me, Energizer Bunny, or any SD card. We could have just filled up card after card. What a great conversation. And that conversation from that moment did go into the park. And uh, later on, we were met by Katie and Spencer over at Best Life and Beyond. So if you want to see what that Friday looked like, there are three well-produced vlogs over on YouTube uh, from Dylan best life and myself so you can see that sort of day from three different angles and just see what it's like fridays friends and fun back inside of disneyland so much fun getting to share dylan's personal story i really want to thank him for trusting me with that and it's always an honor for me to help really creative people share their stories their influences how it all kind of works behind the scenes not only with my audience, like, yeah, it's nice to have these people on and and for my audience to meet new people, but it's really important for me to share their story with their audience. And there's just a way that somebody else can kind of help frame your story, help you tell your story in a way that doesn't seem, oh, woe is me, it's so hard, or look at me, I'm so successful. There's just something about when you're having a conversation with a friend, the conversation, the information, I believe, comes through so much more clear it's not quite as you know what dylan isn't attitude or ego none of that exists especially when you're just having that conversation with a bud the the part of today's episode that i really really just love so much was when we both kind of realized that when he was working at coke corner it wasn't giving guests their chili dog and their delicious coca-cola that meant the most to him that the true love of his job was communicating with people, talking to them, where are you from? What are you doing today? Sort of sharing the love of the theme parks. And that moment when we realized that that's exactly what theme park obsession didn't start there, but where it evolved to and what it has become. Man, I wish you could have seen his eyes. I, I wish you could have seen his face. It was a really, really special moment to remind Dylan just how far he has traveled with this obsession. Friends, until the next time I see you here, joined by my good friend Jared, talking all about Alice in Wonderland, I'll see you back on the channel with more Disneyland videos, or this is episode 70. If you're new here, so many episodes for you to dig through, so many great conversations about Disneyland, with probably a couple of people that uh, you're familiar with or would even better yet, 
want to get to know. Friends, until the next time I see you here, I'll see you back on the channel with more Disneyland news. Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much to Club1313.com for making today's episode possible.